they roped me into this, uh, so I guess I have to be tormented by you. And uh, I just didn't have time to, you know, do this from my house or my den like every other schmuck does, like like, like Cormier does every Monday because he's retired and has nothing to do with his life except live out his masturbatory fantasies about stepping into the ring with either Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns because it always has to be a Paul Heyman guy that Cormier wants to step into the ring with. Not that I blame Cormier because, you know, he's thinking box office, which he never was. Um, and uh, so, you know, I... I like to do things differently and doing it from the car since no one else does these interviews from their car. I figured I would do it from my car. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the MMA Nerd Podcast. I'm Ashley, your resident nerd, and thank you for listening. That opening clip was Paul Heyman on the Ariel Helwani show. He, uh, obviously, going after DC a little bit. I thought it was funny and... I didn't find many clips that I liked this week, so <laughs> full disclosure, that is why that is the opening clip. And then um, the closing clip, I don't know why I'm talking about it now, but that one is also uh, DC and Ariel Helwani related. So we'll get there when we get there. As far as the rest of episode 75, this is the show lineup. We will start with the question of the week. And then get into the story of the week. I will recap UFC Fight Island 4 and 5. And then give you the picks and breakdowns for UFC Fight Island 6. And yeah. And that'll be the show. So let's get into the question of the week. I asked if you had to choose, which would you prefer? A fight card with more finishes from unranked or unknown fighters or a fight card with more decision wins from ranked or big name fighters. And I was actually a little bit surprised. I feel like uh, we don't always get the most honest opinions in these polls because everybody always wants to find that middle ground. But I feel like this one, there's like no middle ground. You had two choices and you had to pick. And the number one, uh, the one that won was the option, give me all the finishes. 71.8% voted for that. And then I Heart Chess and Decisions got 28.2%. And honestly, I feel like these last couple weeks have been good examples of that. Um, Because, like, last week's card, UFC Fight Island 5, there were a whole bunch of finishes Definitely lesser-known fighters. I feel even the main event are fighters that uh, not every, not everybody's familiar with, you know? So it, yeah, just like not as big of names, but there was a lot of finishes and everybody really enjoyed watching them. I, I definitely prefer those kind of cards when... Um, when they don't, like, do the pacing all horrible. Because sometimes it's like, is it even worth getting these finishes? Because then you have to watch the same two commercials, like, over and over and over again. <laughs> and I hate that. Like, it's already pretty bad with the commercials that they play during the UFC. I don't know why they're so repetitive. But, man, when there's a bunch of finishes and they're still dragging out the time, that is just the worst. But... It's nice when there are finishes and they just go, like, right into the next one and keep the pacing up like that. So, I find, like, that that depends for me. And there's other times, too, where 
it's like, yes, so there's a bunch of finishes, but it's like, eh, like, were they really memorable, though? Just because, you know, they are these guys you barely know. And whereas, like, sometimes there's those decisions that it's just back and forth, back and forth. And those are more memorable than a finish necessary or of, yeah, whatever. You get what I'm saying. So I definitely see both ways. But end of the day, I think you always kind of want to finish. Like, there, I, I think there's been very few times where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that went to a decision. Like, <laughs> I can't think of a single time, to be honest, where I was, like, happy. Because then when it goes to a decision, you could see a great fight. And it's just, like, back and forth. And you're just like, ah, oh, this is so great. This is so violent. Ah, oh, so-and-so won. And then the judges, like, everybody agrees that the judges ruin it for everybody and it's like it sucks for the fighters sucks for us no one wins on those those uh moments except maybe the judge who got paid off but anyway let's get into story of the week and this is one that i mean it's always kind of a story but recently the panelists that decide on these rankings and stuff they were told to that Tatiana Suarez was, like, no longer um, eligible to be in the rankings or something like that, along those lines. But because she's been out so long due to injury. And I'm honestly fine with that. I, sp- I think especially if it's gone over a year. Get re- But that's where my frustration lies. Because she's actually injured, which I think, if anything, would be the, the like the little asterisk on this, you know, it's like if a fighter's injured, then it would suck for them to lose their ranking. But then you have fighters who just like aren't accepting fights and they stay on the rankings forever. Like, yeah, Tatiana Suarez hasn't fought for 494 days, but I'm Brian Ortega. He's still ranked at number two in the featherweight division. He hasn't fought for 676 days. And it's like, granted, he got injured like, once, or, like, when he was supposed to fight the the Korean zombie before he got injured, but it's still, like, he should have been off before then, because he'd been so long since he, ah, words, Uh, (laughs) it'd been so long since he fought Max, so it's, like, you have guys like that, you have Leon Edwards, who hasn't fought in 452 days, who's just, like, using his ranking as a reason to turn down fights, and acting like he's too good for like, I don't know, the whole division. So it's just frustrating when you have guys like that versus someone who's injured and it's like, oh, the injured person. Yeah, that's where we're going to draw the line. And it's just, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating that, I don't know. It's like (laughs) you're finally making adjustments to the rankings and this is how you're doing it. It's like not when Conor McGregor took all that time off and stayed in like two different rankings. And I don't know. I feel like this is a story of the week where I don't really have a good wrapping point solution uh, or like end point where I have a solution for this. I just, I wanted to rant about it. Complaining about it on Twitter wasn't enough for me. Because <laughs> it's just so, like, for a while there, I was like part, oh, why am I saying like so much today? I don't know. But I was part of a group on Twitter who would 
we would all like put in our votes every week on the rankings and we just kind of did our own panel basically and those were so much closer but even they had weird ones so you know because like even then i got crap for having conor mcgregor or other fighters who hadn't fought for a bit um if they were inactive for long, I, I took them off my rankings. So I I did that, you know, <laughs> I removed inactive fighters and I got so much crap for it. Like not even just like McGregor stands being what they are. It was like people, oh, what about them? They're so much better than blah, blah, blah that you have way up there and da, da, da. So it's like even in a group that's made of all these like hardcore MMA fans on Twitter had, yeah, had the people voting for Conor McGregor, had the people voting for all these other people who had been inactive forever. So as much as we like to complain about the rankings and how they favor such and such, it's just like, I think it just kind of shows how the popularity contests and the, I don't know, the big names, they just, they're always going to stick out a little bit more even if you're a hardcore fan, like, it's just gonna happen, and it's frustrating, but I really don't see, it's like a human thing, I don't, I don't see how it changes, unless they actually put in rules about it, about rankings, and don't just make it an opinion thing, but that is just me ranting, I, (laughs) like I said, I went off on it on Twitter, um, was chatting with people about it, and yeah, I just thought it'd be a, a good one to kind of carry over. So, anywho, let's get into the UFC Fight Island 4 and 5 recaps. First of all, we will cover UFC Fight Island 4. I went 4 and 2 in my picks, so not bad at all. And honestly, most cards pretty forgettable to me. I. Uh, <laughs> I, it wasn't a bad card. There, you know, there was a decent amount of finishes and good fights. But, I mean, you know where I'm going. Holly won. Again, Holly beat the one that was supposed to, like, quote-unquote, knock her out again. And people should... I just... Because, here's the thing. It's hard for me to even enjoy Holly fights anymore. Because... I'm so nervous, just as a fan of hers. I'm nervous how her fight's gonna go. I'm nervous if she's gonna win or lose. And I'm just like... And I just dread social media and people around her. And people, like, think it's funny to send me messed up things about her. And it's just like... It's just... It gets to the point where it's not even enjoyable for me. Because I don't know why people like being so mean to her. Like, I feel like most other wholesome fighters they like it's like a unanimous thing you know you have like a couple people who like to be like edgy but for the most part everybody's like we love this person they're so wholesome and nice they work hard to improve like look at Roxanne Angie you know like they're working hard to improve themselves and they get nothing but love for it Holly does the same thing and she always gets so much hate and it's not even just with the fighting style you know because it's like I can admit her style's not always the most exciting, but it's like, it goes beyond that. Like, there's promos playing, and she's talking about her dad's stroke and how hard it was, 
and like how she got no sleep between training and going to the hospital with her dad who she's super close to her nickname's the preacher's daughter like her dad means a lot to her and it's like this sad like like nice promo and everything and what are people talking about like oh holly's skincare needs work like oh holly's skin looks disgusting uh she looks like a leathery bag just wait for a few more years just like picking apart her looks and all this stuff when she's talking about her father like how how mean like it just and I would have felt that way even if it wasn't Holly I just don't get I just don't get the meanness especially with her who is so nice and yeah and then they hate on her and it's always oh she's gonna get slept oh she's gonna get knocked out blah 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 it's the same with Megan Anderson and then Aldana was gonna do it and then who was the one swinging air Aldana like Holly showed up she fought probably as angry as I'm as I'm sounding right now (laughs) but I mean she she has to get annoyed with the hate too especially because people like I mean maybe it's just inspiration for her because people keep saying stuff and being so mean to her and yet she has improved like you cannot watch that performance and tell me she has not improved and I know people are, like, trying to take away from that because Aldana clearly... I mean, they they did the same thing with Raquel Pennington. It was like, oh, Raquel, like, uses her hands more now. This time she's going to light up Holly with the rematch. And then Holly did what? She improved her game plan. She got better. And Raquel didn't. And then she didn't have a better game plan. She came in with one goal. She was just listening to the hype and like, oh, yeah, I'm going to knock her out. And then, what happened? <laughs> and same with Aldana. And I know I'm going off because it's my girl. But it's just, we don't have, especially somebody who was a, special, a specialist, like she was with her boxing and kickboxing. We don't have many fighters who come in from another sport like that and work on their overall game so much. You know? Like, she's a true mixed martial artist now like ground game working all these things it's just I just wish she got a little more credit for it and I think she probably will more when she's done I could see it happening maybe a little bit but at the same time people just I don't know they just love to hate her but she she got it done though so I can't be too angry (laughs) she utilized her kicks well she mixed it up with the ground or with you know the grappling and stuff I was I was happy with it I think she should she should be happy too and Aldana really a lot of people are mad because she wasn't doing other things but I think a lot of the reasons why she didn't were because of things with Holly's game and also I think she thought she would pro- I, I think she'd won she was gonna knock her out and that was it and that clearly did not happen. <laughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, but what's next? Um, for Holly, I think the Jermaine Durandamy rematch makes sense. Because GDR actually had a pretty good fight herself. She fought Juliana Pena. And first round, she was winning on the feet. And then <laughs> Pena... Uh, was like took her down or was trying to and trying to get a submission and then 
almost got herself caught in a choke. Uh, first round ends. Second round is basically same thing. Um, but this time Jermaine gets the choke in and chokes Pena to sleep. Like, straight up chokes her out. So, I don't know. Here's the thing with Jermaine Pena. The ground game is her strength, but she's certainly not immune to to it herself. Uh, same thing happened when she fought Valentina Shevchenko. I don't know if it's just she's so determined to prove herself that she gets so sloppy. Uh, I also think, I mean, she fights so irregularly that how is she going to be improving much, <laughs> to be honest? And... I just, I don't know if this was so much a, oh, GDR got a ground game too, or if this is more so, oh, Pena needs to work on things. <laughs> and I kind of lean more towards the latter, but admittedly, I hold a grudge against Jermaine <laughs> because of, uh, coincidentally, the first Holly fight. We all know why. And... <laughs> I I will say, though, that I do appreciate Jermaine's skill set, and I was not necessarily rooting for her, but I was not mad when she got that win over Pena, because uh, Juliana loves to run her mouth, and it's just in the most annoying way, and it's, like, so embarrassing, because we're from the same city. <laughs> But what can you do? <laughs> so, speaking of Pena, though, I actually think that as far as what's next, her and Aldana should just face each other. I think this is a super easy, like, book the next fight thing. Just, yeah, have the winners fight each other, have the losers fight each other. Women's bantamweight is just so rough. <laughs> it's, yeah, it needs some new blood in there, that's for sure. But let's bounce forward to last week's card, the one I didn't get an episode out for, and that's too bad. Um, <laughs> I just did not feel well. I was bleeding from my uterus, so I just didn't, I didn't feel like recording. <laughs> and yeah, anyway, I, so I didn't make picks. I didn't even put the picks in on verdict, so I have nothing to go off of there. I would say that... While the card was good, I there weren't really that many moments that just, like, super stuck out to me. But one that did, uh, I think it's stuck in everybody's head, um, almost more so than the, the main and co-main. But the Buckley's KO of Empa, it was the craziest spinny shit. Just, yeah, <laughs> just the craziest kick to the face, and I, yeah, I can't even, I can't even describe it, I hope you've seen the video, because it's, it's amazing, and if you haven't, look it up, it's, it's cool, and then the other cool thing was, like, the sportsmanship between the two guys afterwards, uh, it's always really cool to see, and Buckley actually already has another fight booked, so he impressed Dana and the big guys upstairs, too, I, I did see some people talking, and actually, my my husband pointed out, too, he was just like, oh, like, why did that guy hang on to his foot for so long, though? And it was one of those that 
I didn't really think about, but then I was watching, I was like, yeah, that was like a weird move on his part. But it's just funny how the littlest, like, weird move or like weird, like maybe tiny mistake. And it led to just like this epic finish. And that's why MMA is so amazing. It's just truly a game of inches. So, I mean, that was, that was awesome. And we had Barboza get this, the decision win over Amir Khani. A good fight. Barboza looked really sharp. Amir Khani, I thought, like, he obviously lost, but he put up a good fight. I think next for him, I would really like to see him against Touchy Feely. I, I think that'd be a fun matchup. I, I don't know. Feely's looked really good lately. But I would probably lean Amir Khani just right now. But, yeah, I think it's a good matchup. And Barboza, I think, you know, he's just barely in the rankings. So give him a guy just above him in the rankings. Uh, both coming off wins. I think Burgos would be good or Yusef. Both of those fights would be fun. And then in the main event, we had Corey Sandhagen got the second round knockout over Marlon Marias. I I thought it was good. I thought that was a good way for Corey to bounce back from his last loss. Uh, Bummer as a Marias fan, of course, but it's just that that division's getting so good now, and it's really exciting. For what's next, Marias, I think... He has a ton of options. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, if Garbrandt fights in his division, as he should. Um, Pedro Munoz. I want to remind a Jimmy Rivera rematch because Jimmy kind of looks back to his, you know, like, he seems like he kind of went through a mental slump there, and I feel like he, he looked really good in his last fight, and that was up a weight class. So, uh yeah, lots of fights left for him. And then for Corey, I think he should just wait. They just booked Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling for the title in December. So I think he should just wait and fight the winner of that title fight. And easy peasy. Um, I, <laughs> I thought it was funny that it's like, <sighs> I just, I love being right. And I told everyone that that fight would get booked between Jan and Sterling. And everyone was like, no, Dana's too racist. And like, no, this and that. It was like, it was never, Sterling just, I, I hope he got the paycheck that he was haggling for. I, I really think that's what it was. Fighters are putting their foot down about that kind of stuff these days. And Sterling finally had some very good leverage. So I hope that that is the case. Um... I mean, I guess Dana could be racist, but <laughs> I don't think that's why this fight got uh, took so long to book. I am I'm excited for that one, though. I think it'll be a banger of a fight. And, man, it's hard for me to even have, like, a gut feeling because I think they're both so good. I feel like Sterling might be a little more hungry right now, but... Jan is a beast, so we shall see. And that wraps up the recap section of the show. So let's get into UFC Fight Island 6. The The prelims did not speak to me on this card, not going to lie. So no honorable mentions this week, and we're just going to jump right into the main card. Opening the card, we got 
a featherweight fight between Thomas Almeida and Jonathan Martinez. Almeida is 21-3 on a two-fight losing streak. Um, you know, it's been a little rough for him <laughs> since he got knocked out by Cody Garbrandt. He is 1-3 out of his last four. He hasn't fought for a while, not since June 2018, because he was having, um, like, yeah, he's a fought, he got, like, hurt and had to have eye surgery, so that pretty much took him out for all of 2019, and now he's back. Um, he, I do worry about ring rust with him for sure. I worry about his mental game. It's just, I mean, his career is not going the way I'm sure he imagined. Uh, he used to be the big hype train. Like, that was the guy. And then No Love knocked him out. And it's just kind of been, kind of been a little rough. Uh, he's, it's not like he's as bad all of a sudden. He has 17 knockout wins. Um, his last win was in November of 2016. But again, that was, that was um, a minute ago. <laughs> so, and yeah, I don't know. I I just have so many question marks with him. But Martinez, he's 12 and 3. He is coming off a knockout win uh, back in August. He's 3 and 2 in the UFC, seven knockout wins, and uh, he accepted this fight on short notice. I'm drawing a blank on who dropped out, but yeah, not a bad replacement fight. I <sighs> I do see this just being a stand-up battle. That's both of these guys' thing. It's more their stand-up, so I don't think the ground game will come into play much. And with their striking, it's just weird because Martinez, he has better striking accuracy or significant strike accuracy. He absorbs less significant strikes, but then Almeida, he has better... Uh, <laughs> he has better striking defense and he has a higher strikes landed per minute percentage so or count whatever either way it's just like interesting how they both have like you know the edge and their little strengths within the same realm and I'm just gonna go into this one hoping that Thomas is back. He wants to prove himself. Wants to, you know, stay in the UFC because they're cutting people like crazy still. And I'm just gonna. Say, I think he wins the stand-up battle. More, t- a little more technical, a lot more experienced. And we'll see. I I hope I'm right. <laughs> um, oh, I do think that uh, probably a decision. But anywho. Next up is a welterweight fight, Claudio Silva versus James Krause. Silva is 14-1. and one. Only loss is via disqualification because of illegal elbows, and it was his first fight, actually, so <laughs> he is on a 14-fight win streak. He is 5-0 and oh in the UFC, though. His last three wins have been by submission, which makes sense because... Jiu-Jitsu is his bread and butter. He has nine submission wins altogether. And yeah, like I said, Jiu-Jitsu is his game. Black belt, whole nine yards. And you have Kraus, who is 27 and 8, coming off his first loss since 2015 back in February. 
and that loss broke his six-fight win streak, so kind of a bummer, but he has been in the UFC since 2013, and he is 8-4 in the organization, so he's not doing bad, and he is also a ground guy, also a black belt, he has 14 submission wins, and I just... I like Silva a lot, and it's very possible that he comes in and does his thing. But I, I'm leaning Kraus for this one, because I do think they'll either cancel out the each other with the BJJ, or it's gonna be a battle. And I hope it's a battle, because I love, like, I'm not the biggest on chess matches, but when you have, like, two really good grapplers with, like, crazy transitions and just, like, all the attempts, I really enjoy that. So, I'm hoping for a BJJ battle, and Kraus is the more experienced guy. He's the bigger guy. I'm going to go with him. I think he'll want to bounce back from that that first loss in a while. So, so yeah, picking James Kraus. By submission? Maybe by submission or decision. We shall see. Next up is a light heavyweight fight. Jimmy Crute versus Modestas Bukakis. Uh, <laughs> it's quite the name. Um, but Crute, he is 11-1, and one, coming off a first-round submission win, bouncing back easily from his first loss ever. And Crute's a well-rounded dude. He was training karate by the age of four. He started training judo by age eight. He started training jiu-jitsu at 11. And he's a black belt now. And he started... And he discovered MMA at 12. So the dude's well-rounded, been well-rounded for a while. And Bukakis is 11 and two, coming off a big KO win in his debut... He has eight knockout wins altogether, seven straight stoppage wins, former kickboxing champ. He, well, he does have great striking. I do think he has some questionable takedown defense, which is probably where Crute will find his opening, and I think he will. So I think Crute wins, and I think he'll win by submission. Yes. That feels good. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to think he'll pull it off. And that brings us to the co-main event already. It's a flyweight fight. Caitlin Chukagian versus Jessica Andrade. Chukagian is ranked number one in the flyweight division. She's 14-3, and three, coming off a win over Antonina Shevchenko after losing to Valentina Shevchenko. Um... Ah, here's the thing with Kate. It's like I don't have anything against her, but also she's just kind of vanilla. Like she's well-rounded, I guess. I don't know. It's like I can't think of anything she's like strong at. I can't think of anything she's like bad at. But she's just kind of doing the thing. I guess the thing she's bad at is getting finishes because she only has a, uh, she has 14 wins and 11 of those wins have been by decision. So 
yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like such a dick. Um, but <clears throat> here's what she has. She has an 8-inch height advantage and a 6-inch reach advantage over the number 2 ranked Jessica and Drudge. And when I say number 2 ranked, I actually mean in the strawweight division. This is her flyweight debut. Um, did I say that she's 20 and 8? Because she is. She's 20 and 8. And this is her flyweight debut. <laughs> That's how I was supposed to say this, according to the script that I wrote. But back to Andraj. She fought at bantamweight before. So I just mentioned that height and reach advantage. But I feel like she'll handle it well. You know, she fought girls much bigger than her in the past. But it's also been a while. She's been down wrecking people at straw weight for a minute so her past experience probably will help her with uh with the size difference but it's hard to say how much though because she's fighting number one contender and caitlin so it's not like she's a schmuck but anyway stats i i always go to the stats when i'm a little bit torn because I do see how Caitlin could use her size to wear Jessica out, you know, make her work, get that cardio to struggle a bit, because it will be interesting to see if Jessica does good gaining the weight with her cardio and stuff, because she did well at straw weight. Obviously, she just went five rounds with Rose in her last fight, <clears throat> and excuse me, but I thought, I thought that the stats wouldn't be so in Jessica's favor, <laughs> but they are, like, from striking to grappling. Strikes landed per minute, Caitlin, 4.19, uh, Andraj, 6.40, striking accuracy, Caitlin, 35%, Andraj, 49%, strikes absorbed per minute, uh, I guess Caitlin got Jessica there for <laughs> 4.20 and 5.30. Uh, striking defense, Caitlin's is a, a little bit better, 62% versus 53%. And then the grappling, and George <coughs> gets 3.02 takedowns average per fi- 15 minutes. Whereas Caitlin gets 0.3. Take down accuracy, Caitlin 15%, Andraj 57%. Take down defense, Caitlin 50%, uh, Andraj 76%. Neither of them are big on submissions with their stats anyway. So you see what I mean to where it's just like Jessica just kind of like has her, has her beat a little bit. But again smaller division uh, with a lot of those fights, I'm sure, I think. But it's just, I think I'm going to go with Jessica. I think if she can handle the size difference and her cardio holds up, which it has been, and it's not like Caitlin has this ridiculous pace. So, yeah. So I think I'm going to go with the little gal. Yeah, 
My decision, though. <laughs> Not going to get crazy with this one. So, main event, this one. Ugh, this fight. It's a featherweight fight. Brian Ortega versus Chan Sung Jung, uh, a.k.a. the Korean Zombie. This is the second time the fight has been booked. They were booked for last December, but Ortega pulled out. Shockingly enough, uh, <laughs> let's get into it with Ortega. He's ranked number two, 14 and one. Hasn't fought since that first loss to Max Holloway in their title fight. That was December 2018. So, a lot of people are like, yo, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> okay, nobody has said this to me, but <laughs> they've heavily implied it in some of the questions I've been asked. And it's like, yes, I used to talk very fondly about Brian Ortega. He was, he was one of the guys that, like, early on, I never picked against him, and I just loved him. But he got real cocky before that Max fight. And I started to not like him then. I don't like the way he ran his mouth uh, towards Max. And yeah, leave it to <laughs> freaking Max and <laughs> drama with him to make me turn on another one of my favorites. Like, <laughs> don't you talk about my Max. Um, so yeah, that was when I started to get turned And then, yeah, the dude just, he feel like he got a little Hollywood there for a bit and you know there's the stuff with him and like slapping the interpreter the k-pop guy who's friends with the Korean zombie and just I don't know just I haven't liked him lately however that does not mean that I don't know how good he is because he was 14 and oh before Max got to him for a good reason the dude is a jiu-jitsu wizard. Solid shin. He has seven submission wins, but three knockout wins as well. He has a lot of power. Um, he, okay, I wouldn't say he is a good fight IQ because I think Max kind of exposed that, but I will say he is very patient. He is willing to wait for his an opening, uh, opening the snatch neck, land that shot he's very good at being patient waiting for those moments and he's very opportunistic with them when he gets those openings so he definitely has an eye for that I want to call that IQ I'd call it yeah just opportunistic but my question marks with him it's like his cardio question mark his his mental question mark the ring rust question mark there's so many things that it's been so long since we've seen him. I don't know. You know, and you're bouncing back from your first loss now. A loss that was just like a total whooping. Like, I mean, how many times have we seen the clip where Max literally helped, like, he, like smacks him around and then positions his hands for him to help him block his own face? Like, oh, no, here, buddy. This is how you block a sh and then just continues to beat on him. Like, that was a bad fight. I don't know if you've watched it again recently. But Ortega got whooped on. And that's a big thing to bounce back from. Especially now when you've, like, run your mouth and slapped K-pop stars and haven't fought for two years. Not to mention, well, hmm, I really wanted to, like... <laughs> 
I really wanted to fit like one of the Modelo commercial jokes in there. Something about him making a choice, but I'm tired, y'all. I, I can't do it. Dang it. See, those are the things I should script for myself, <laughs> and I just never think of it. But anyway, so his opponent, the Korean zombie, ranked number four. He is 16-5 and five on a two-fight win streak and on a nine-finish, wait, on a nine-finish win streak. Why does that sound weird? A nine, nine stoppages in a row? Not in a, his last nine wins <laughs> have all been finishes. There, that sounds right, right? Right. <laughs> but yeah, six knockouts, eight submission wins. So that just kind of I feel is a good representation of how he is just well-rounded AF. <laughs> he. Yeah, he has the judo, karate, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing. He does all the things. Um, not to mention he has a solid chin, solid power. And that's something with Ortega that I worry about a little bit for him. Because if, like, Max Max has great hands, but he doesn't have a lot of, like, just straight knockout power. He's more of a pick-apart guy. I picked him apart real bad, but <laughs> that's just his thing to where if the Korean zombie lands some of the shots that Max was and he's fully capable of doing so, uh, that could be not great <laughs> for Brian. But back to the zombie, he also has a three-inch reach advantage, and yeah, we know he can go all five rounds with the cardio. Um I say out of the two, I'm definitely more confident in his cardio than Ortega's. And I see him having more tools to win than Ortega. But that's the thing with Brian is he just, he gets those things on a whim. You know, he could be losing a whole fight and will find that one opening in the third round and then get the win. So with guys like that, it's just hard because if you look at the stats, like with the grappling, for instance, um, like accuracy, takedown accuracy, Ortega, 16%, uh, Chan Sung Jung, 41%, takedown defense, Ortega, 56%, uh, Korean zombie, 77%. So with that, you're like, Psh, okay, you know, but the thing with Ortega, he doesn't, he's not good at takedowns. He's doesn't care he generally doesn't care if he gets taken down so those are just like you look at the stats and you're like ooh, but then you remember what kind of fighter he is and you're like because i mean just because you're good at jiu-jitsu doesn't mean you're good at wrestling so like look at damian maya um <laughs> and then if you look at the striking stats you know they're really not as far apart as you would think either um, the biggest, the biggest discrepancy is actually strike, strikes absorbed per minute. And Chan Sung Jung, 3.73 per minute. Uh, Ortega, 7.36. And I wish I knew how all the math with all this worked, because I'd love to know how many of those were from the, like, how much the Holloway fight impacted that stat. Because... I mean, and same with, I didn't read it off, but, like, 
the the landed even. He has a pretty high landed landing rate for significant strikes, and because he landed quite a few in the hallway fight as well. Because I mean we know Max's style, but it does make me wonder when it's like a record breaking amount of strikes. Like with that fight, it was so. I I wish I remember the specifics better, but I'm getting old. And I, I drink too much. Uh, <laughs> but I do know that they they had, like, set a bunch of records and were, like, way up there with their striking, that, that fight. So with that, it's like, I don't know how much one fight sways stats because I would think that would matter, you know? Like, does he... The thing with her, he does absorb a lot. And he has a great chin and has been able to in the past. I just can't remember if he's, like, a high-output guy, like, usually, though. I feel like he's not because I feel like I said he's usually kind of... It's not like he's boring or, like, waiting all the time. But I don't think he usually strikes quite as much as he did that last fight. But either way, I am taking the the Korean zombie. And not just because of bias. I, I really think that out of the two as far as like like Ortega's strength is like his power his jiu-jitsu and I really feel like Jung's skill set kind of cancels those out you know because he also has power he also has a chin and solid grappling solid ground game I'd actually say like with wrestling and stuff he's better than Ortega because Ortega's thing is, like I said earlier, the opportunistic shot, like, approach and everything. So, uh, I think Zombie needs to be careful. He cannot give Brian those, like, he can't be sloppy, give him easy openings, give him even difficult openings, because Ortega's good at spotting them. And we've seen what happens when the Korean zombie takes his eye off the elbow shall we say for even just a second one second (laughs) I will never get over that but I I just think I I just don't want people to think that I'm only picking (laughs) the Korean zombie because I'm an Ortega hater I like to complain about him but I really don't hate him that much he just kind of annoys me now and I'm not trying to discredit his skill set. There's just too many question marks. I don't... I question his cardio, his mental state, his... The ring rust, just all of it. So, with so many questions around him that I don't have around the Korean zombie at all because, yeah, he hasn't fought in almost a year, but that's pretty... He took four years off and came back and got a knockout. So, I don't see that being an issue for him. I don't think... This is, like, going to be a mental one for him where he gets too emotional. I just think he'll get it done. So, anyway, I think that's it. I <laughs> I literally thought that I was just like, oh, this is a nice little half-hour show. And apparently, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I'm sorry for my voice. I just, the weather's changing here and... 
I'm not handling it well. <laughs> My sinuses are all over the place. So that's why I'm a little like coffee and nasally and I apologize. But thank you for listening to this episode. Next week, there will be an episode because it is before a very big pay-per-view that I am very nervous and excited for because it's so good. And we all know I love me some Habib. So I will definitely be here next week with my papaka and an annoying amount of Dagestani love. And with that, I will be taking fight fan questions. So if you have any, you can DM me like right now um, on Instagram or Twitter. I, if you have both, then definitely go through Twitter, um, because I don't check the, my Instagram very often. So shoot me a question for the show. I'll answer it next week. And there will also be a link that I put out on Twitter to get questions. So with that, I leave you with the closing clip, which is just, it's Ariel and DC. Uh, They have a show together, in case you didn't know for some reason. And um, it's just DC giving Ariel a hard time. And I think we all would enjoy that. (laughs) Ariel needs to be given a hard time sometimes. And I just, yeah, their bromance makes me happy. So enjoy the clip. uh, Enjoy the fights. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye. A Korean dog. Come on, man.